The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. John chapter 15, what a wonderful uh, portion of Scripture today. Um, Every word in this chapter was spoken uh, through the lips of our Savior, Jesus Christ. What makes this chapter even more um, precious to me is that, quite frankly, the instruction that we're given uh, was given just prior to his crucifixion. So it's really part of what we would call his farewell discourse uh, before he went to the cross. And I think that adds certainly something uh, to this uh, passage. You know, during his brief public ministry, uh, Jesus Christ issued or extended uh, three major invitations. The first of which was this, uh, come unto me, come unto me. And we read those words in scripture. And that is an invitation to know him. And as I mentioned, uh, I, was, uh, I, I, I responded to that invitation as an eight-year-old child. Hopefully, prayerfully, everyone in this room has responded to that invitation as well. The second one is to follow me, and that is to learn of him and to learn from him. And uh, what a wonderful invitation that is. The third of which is to abide in me, to abide in me. The first one speaks about relationship. The second one speaks about discipleship. And the third one speaks about fellowship. It is that third invitation that Jesus is speaking about here in the early verses of this chapter. So let's jump in at verse one. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except that abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Christ uses the vine and the branch to illustrate this spiritual discipline, if you will, or practice of abiding in Jesus Christ. We are to receive all that we need from him just as the branch receives all that it needs from the vine. And when we ponder that thought for a moment, two observations come to mind. Number one, all that the vine has is available to the branch. And number two, all that Christ has is available to the believer. Now ponder that. All that Christ has is available to the believer. So if there's no connection, uh, the, the, the vine to the branch, that, that, that branch is lifeless and, and in many ways fruitless and useless. So what does that mean for us? You see, all that the branch possesses belongs to the vine. It really has no reason to exist except to be of service to the vine. Now, all of that is very interesting and all of that is very true and all of that is very real and rich. But in simple, practical, um, spiritual terms, how do we flesh that out? What does that mean to us today? If we have a desire to respond to that third invitation, to abide in him, what is he saying? What does that mean? How, How can we wrap our head around that? How can we make that work for us? While there are several applications Uh, of this divine union 
uh, expressed in this portion of Scripture. Let me just share two or three with you this morning. Notice these themes, if you will. Number one, if we are to abide in Christ, we are to fulfill a purpose. We are to fulfill a purpose. Now, if you look in verse 2, he talks about bearing fruit. In verse 5, he talks about bearing fruit. In verse 8, he talks about bearing fruit. In verse 16, he talks about bearing fruit. So what is our purpose? Our purpose is not to become famous. Our purpose is not to get, get rich. Our purpose is not to vegetate in church. Our purpose as God's people is to bear fruit. That is the purpose. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. That is what Jesus is trying to teach us, to bear fruit. Uh, Think about it this way. That's our mission. That is our mission. All of us have, as believers, we possess that mission. We are here to bear fruit. Uh, To say it this way, to live for something bigger than ourselves. I recall when I was 16 years of age, I went to a revival meeting and uh, uh, an old-time preacher was preaching by the name of Dr. Dolphus Price. And when I heard him preach that day, uh, quite frankly, as I look back, I don't remember the text. I don't remember the title of the message. I, none of that really resonates in my mind. But what I did hear him say, and what the thrust of the message was, to live for something bigger than yourself. And that is what Jesus, I believe, is helping us understand. There is something bigger than ourselves, and that's bearing fruit. I had no idea when I knelt at that altar as a 16-year-old young man, I had absolutely no idea how that would flesh out in my life. I had no idea what that would mean. I had no idea that that would lead me one day to stand before you uh, speaking today, or to minister on 15 different uh, mission fields around the world, or to minister in every state in the union. I had no idea that any of that would take place. All I knew is that I wanted to live for something bigger than myself. All I knew was God had called me, and I didn't even understand the terminology, but to bear fruit. So when I think about that, uh, there's two things I'd mention real quickly. First of all, the inner fruit of the Spirit. And I don't need to take you to Galatians chapter 5, but in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. temperance. We are to bear that fruit. That is, that is the evidence that something is happening internally in our life. Those, those, uh, those qualities do not exist in our life unless we are filled with the Spirit of God. And when we're filled with the Spirit of God, wow, those qualities take shape in our life. And, and it's those qualities that will make a difference between us as a believer and people who don't know Jesus Christ. We need that. We need to bear that fruit. And I would say this to you. Uh, if God's people, all of us, would live that way, I believe more unsaved people would believe what we preach. But because many of us do not live that way, they're not believing what we preach. And hence, because of that, every year in the United States of America, some 4,000 churches close their doors. Every year in our country. Why? Because God's people are not bearing fruit the way we ought to bear fruit. But not only the inner fruit of the Spirit, there's the outer fruit of evangelism. Uh, Proverbs 11, verse 30, a famous verse. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. He that winneth souls is wise. What a great opportunity to, to take what's inside of you, what God has done for you and to you, and then let God use all of that to work through you 
to see other people come to Jesus. There is absolutely nothing like using your life and your testimony and your witness and your words to see someone come to Jesus Christ. You know, I often say at the hospital, the, the happiest place is when, when the babies are born, the maternity ward. Well, spiritually speaking, that's, that's really where it's at. When, when, when God's people just really get excited about reaching out and seeing other people come to Christ and using their, their life to share that message and their words to share that message, oh my goodness, something happens in an incredible way. And uh, of one thing I am convinced, I believe more lost people watch our lives rather than listen to our words. They watch how we live. Uh, they watch our value system. They watch, uh, and not even knowing, those, those, those qualities that are being uh, put forth in Galatians chapter 4, they watch that. Do, how do we react to diversity? How do we handle challenges? How do we handle trials? Are we loving? Are we a good neighbor? Uh, all of those things resonate with people who don't know the Lord. And they stand back and they say, I don't know what it is, but there's absolutely something different about that person. Well, what's different is that person trusted Christ. That person has manifested the fruit of the Spirit, and that person is living that out in such a way that that unsafe person says, I want what they have. They don't even know what that is. They don't know that what we have is Jesus. They don't know that. They don't know that what we have uh, is, is eternal. They, they don't get that. All they know is there's a difference between a person who lives by that code, by that biblical truth, by that fruit of the Spirit, and has a heart to see people come to Christ, that person needs Jesus for sure. So we're to bear fruit. You know, if you plant an orange tree, or maybe up north an apple tree, and after five or six years, there's absolutely no fruit, no orange, no apple, nothing. At some point, you'd stand back and you'd say, wait a minute, um, is this really an orange tree? Is this really an apple tree? We planted it, we expected fruit, we knew it wouldn't happen quickly, but over time, over years, where's the fruit? And I wonder, I wonder if there's no fruit in our life, are we abiding in Christ? Are we really walking as we should walk? Now here's the point of all that. Think about this. God could have taken any of us to heaven 10 seconds after we got saved. As, a, as that eight-year-old boy in an Awana program on a Friday night, as I knelt down and trusted Christ as my Savior, God could have taken me to heaven, raptured me up right then. The same could be said for you. You know Christ. The moment you trusted Jesus, you could have gone up. But it didn't happen. And it didn't happen for a reason. And that reason is this. God wants us to live for something bigger than ourselves. It didn't happen because God wants us to bear fruit. God, it didn't happen because God wants us to reach into the hearts and lives of people that need him desperately and show those people how to come to Christ. You see, when we bear fruit, verse 8, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Boy, what a beautiful song uh, these uh, singers were sharing with us. And you think about the holiness of God. You think about who he is. You think about just, just the, the awesomeness of God. Boy, why don't we, why don't we have a, a go on a mission to, to share our God with people who don't know him, to share our Jesus with people who don't know him? That's bearing fruit. I have in my personal library, I don't know, 100 plus uh, volumes, biographies of great Christians, men and women of God. And 
most of those believers are deceased. Most are no longer with us. But here's my point with that. They're not coming back. They had their day. They had their opportunity. They did what they did, and in, in, in most cases, so exceptionally so, that, that authors wrote about it and shared it. And we read about those. We read about a Spurgeon. We read about a D.L. Moody. We read about those people today. But they're not coming back. This is our day. This is our time. And, 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 and we have to step up to the plate, so to speak. And we have to be engaged in that work that God has called us to. So, as Jesus said as a young boy, he said, I must be about my father's business. And really, that's, that's the challenge we have. Uh, are, we, are we about the father's business? And by the way, you don't have to wait until you get out of college with a diploma to be about the father's business. Right now, today, you have opportunity to share the gospel and to live a life of honor before lost people. But just how do we do that? It's a, it's a daunting task. Some of us are, are maybe a little bit more uh, at ease talking to lost people. Some of us are a little more comfortable sharing our, our, our testimony or handing a gospel tract to someone or inviting someone to church. How do we do that? How do we really do that? Well, that leads me to the second thought that I see here in this passage. Not only are we to fulfill a purpose, but number two, we're to follow a pattern. We're to follow a pattern. You say, what is the pattern? All right, look at verse 4. Jesus said, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch, here's the word, cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. In other words, here's, here's, here's the truth. We cannot do and accomplish what God wants us to do and accomplish on our own. We have to have the Lord's help. Sometimes we try to do it ourselves. Sometimes we think we're smart enough to do it ourselves. Sometimes we think we're gifted enough, talented enough to do it ourselves. But notice what Jesus said in verse 5. For without me, ye can do nothing. He didn't say more with me or less without me. He said zero. Zero. Now you might think, well, I know people doing quite a bit without the Lord. Well, that's your opinion, not God's. He said zero, nothing, nothing. So what's the example? What's the pattern? Well, it's real clear. Jesus is our pattern. So notice with me in the Gospel of John, several passages that speak about his dependence on his father. So go to John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, look with me at verse 19. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Look at verse 30. He said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Go to John chapter 6. Look at verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. 
Look at John chapter 7. Look at verse 16. And Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Wow, I think sometimes we journey through life wanting to do our thing rather than the Lord's thing. What is the Lord's thing? It's what we just talked about. It's bearing fruit. Look also at John chapter 8 and look at verse 28. John 8 and verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am he, that I, here it is, do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Verse 29, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Go to John chapter 12. Look at verse 49. John 12 and verse 49. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment that I should say and what I should speak. For I know not what I know not that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Look at verse chapter 14 and verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the work. So if on this earth, in his earthly ministry, Jesus Christ was dependent upon his father. How much more, and by the way, as an example to us, how much more should we depend, be dependent upon him? The, 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 here, here's what we have to realize. As, as Christians, as believers, as servants of God, when we want to bear fruit, when we want to uh, be a teacher and we want to be a pastor, whatever it might be in life, it's not our strength. It, 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 it's not our intelligence. It's not our abilities. It's not our talent. It's not our charisma. It's not our personality. It's not our experience. It's the Lord working through us. Again, what did Jesus say? Without me, ye can do nothing. It's all about Christ in us. Paul captured that same concept in uh, Galatians 2, verse 20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And he said this, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Or in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 4, he, Paul said this, uh, who, speaking of Christ, who is our life? Or Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He didn't say I can do all things through my education, I can do all things through my ability, I can do all things through my charisma, I can do all things through my personality. No, he said I can do all things through Christ. So there has to be that dependence. So today as students, I would ask you this question. Do you realize in life how much you need Jesus? I, I, I wish I had heard this challenge when I sat in a college chapel many years ago. I've been in ministry 48 years. And I wish that I had realized that it, it's not about me. It's about God working through me. 
It's about God gifting and blessing and, 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 and in obedience, going out and just having an utter dependence on him. Whether it's teaching a lesson, preaching a sermon, whether it's doing work in a, uh, in a financial office, whatever it may be in life, witnessing to somebody, whatever it may be, depending on him. How much we need him, his strength, students, his wisdom, his encouragement, his provisions, his companionship, his presence in your life. Hey, for some of the freshmen here, you may be, wow, you're only a month into this thing. And uh, I have a granddaughter here who's a month into this thing, seated over here. Her name is Michaela. And um, boy, I, I get it. I, listen, I, I didn't even come out of a home. When I, when I was 16, I moved out of my home. But I went to Bible college, and I, I promise you this, when I got to college, I was homesick. You think, for what? I don't even know. What, why? I mean, it was a horrible place. Why would I want to go back? But you know, you, you know, you're navigating here, you're trying to capture all this and learn all this, and you've got studies, you've got routine, you've got a schedule. I mean, just in some cases, it's gonna be absolutely overwhelming. You know what the answer is? It's not you trying to figure it out. It's, it's allowing the Lord to guide you and lead you and direct you and help you and provide for you what you do not have of your own and let him take over in your life. I say again, without him, you can do nothing. And you may think you're doing quite a bit, but I promise you, you're not. When you're prepared to be to Christ, what Christ was to his father, then Christ is prepared to be to you what the Father was to Jesus Christ. It's really just that simple. But in closing, let me give you a third thought real quickly. Back to John 15. So we fulfill a purpose, we follow a pattern, and then we focus on a promise. We focus on a promise. You know, the Bible's filled with promises, amen? So many, so many promises. But in verse 11, here's a great promise. These things have I spoken unto you, Jesus said, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Don't let the busyness of life, the pressures of college, uh, the assignments and all of that zap your joy. Don't let that happen. His joy. There's one little word in verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, and here it is, that my joy, my joy, not your joy, his joy. That, that's the promise, and, and, and we focus on that promise. His joy in us. Hey, don't settle for a cheap substitute of the real thing, for sure. I preach in churches where the atmosphere is more akin to a funeral than a joyful worship service. No one talks, no one whispers, no one smiles, no one whatever. I wouldn't want to be sentenced to some of those churches. We can and we should be joyful. Why? Well, Christ isn't in the tomb. Amen? It's not in the tomb. Our sins have been forgiven. The Holy Spirit lives within me. We're on our way to heaven. Oh my gracious, on our worst day, when, when, when everything just kind of tumbles in on us, don't we understand his joy 
will remain in us. And while I'm on the subject, let's, let me just quickly say there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is an expression of our emotions. You know, someone does something for you that's very nice and emotionally you respond and you're happy. You get a good grade on the test, man, you're happy. It's an expression of our emotions and there's nothing wrong with that. But joy is deeper. It's an expression of our spirit. And we have his joy in us. And so the question is, where does that joy come from? Where does it come from? How do we get it? Some of you may be in this uh, chapel today and you're thinking, man, I, I, I just don't have that joy. My joy left. It's gone. I'm just going through the motions. Get it back. And how you get it back? Turn with me to Psalm 16 and with this verse I close. Psalm 16 and verse 11. Here's how you get that joy back. David wrote of it. Psalm 16, the very last verse, verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. And here's the key. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. Did you get that? In his presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. What we need as God's people is every day to be in his presence. Not just on Sunday, not just on chapel days, not just in Bible class, every day in his presence. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence a world for Christ.